0: Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. So we're coming to the end of London Metal Exchange Week and it has been great to be out and about and at in-person events once again and there were certainly plenty of things to discuss. I'd like to thank everyone that took the time out of the week to join us for a fifth annual BMO LME Week seminar on Tuesday. I do hope you found it useful and thought-provoking. During LME Week discussions, there's been a focus on two main areas. The first is the near-term tightness in physical markets and how much of this might be caused by restocking it in consumers ahead of potential price increases as inflation flows through value chains. Also, the supply cuts at power-intensive operations, both inside and outside of China, have exacerbated this through making end consumers a bit more nervous. And for those looking into next year, well, macro concerns really are to the fore, particularly given the potential impact of inflation. In simple commodity terms, we are cutting both near-term supply and six-month-out demand from our models at the present time. Uh, we're cutting more supply than demand given the widespread cuts we're seeing coming through in Europe, in India, and in China. However, this supply will likely recover when the energy sector gets a little more wiggle room, whereas there's perhaps a bit less confidence of a demand rebound. Make no mistake, there's a lot of risk around commodity markets into early 2022, even if tailwinds continue at present. While cuts to European supply might be getting more attention at the moment, most notably in zinc, it is still China where we are seeing the largest impact and the latest challenge has been the floods in Shaanxi province. Having seen three times the usual rainfall level over recent weeks, the heavy flooding has resulted in infrastructure damage and was temporary closure of over 400 mines. And this is a further blow to Beijing's efforts to ramp up coal output for utilities. We've seen the Thermal Coal Futures contract on the Zhengzhou Commodity Exchange jumping to a new record. Changxi is the largest metallurgical coal production hub in the world and we would highlight that the implications of flooding here are much larger than those seen during the Queensland floods in late 2010 when the price pushed up very rapidly. We would anticipate that China's steel output might even be half to cut further over and above the 200 million ton per annum decline we've seen since April's peak due to a lack of coking coal and with this, steel exports will likely fall further shangxi is a significant bauxite and alumina hub and we'd also expect upward price pressure in these markets and if we think more widely with lower goods exports over the coming months and the world starting to realize just how dependent it is on china in terms of value chains i'd expect to see more emphasis on potential reshoring of industrial capacity from governments around the world I think one of the key questions that has been raised by the energy crisis is whether there has been a step change in demand, given that many geographies across the world are being surprised on the upside. What might be causing this? Well, cryptocurrency is certainly part of it, but more widely we are in a world where data use is rising extremely rapidly, which does require energy both directly and for cooling as a result of the heat generated. 5G communications technology is significantly more electricity intensive than 4G, just as an example. The other area is in buildings which consume 30% of global energy demand and with the work-at-home situation not only are offices being heated or cooled, but homes as well. In a calorie constrained world, the solution has to be more aggressive energy efficiency policies that are like seen in Japan post Fukushima and this can have implications for metals markets likely to see more smart facades with ventilation options which are aluminium intensive, new greener appliances and ventilation systems, LED lighting will likely receive a boost as well. All of these are more metals intensive than the incumbents. So building efficiency may well be the next leg in green stimulus and with the current energy shortage acting as a catalyst for this. Finally, I wanted to highlight the key points from our copper report published just before LME week. If there's one thing analysts and industry alike agree on, it is that the copper market has a major supply demand imbalance to solve for in the medium term, as rising energy transition demand meets perennially challenged supply. This led us to take a different approach to solving the long-term copper challenge, given unconstrained modelling results suck a 9 million tonne supply gap by 2030, a situation which cannot and frankly will not happen. So from the demand side, our detailed end-use analysis highlights once more copper's strategic role in decarbonisation, with penetration rates rising across power generation, electric mobility and even buildings, and taking that even when maxing out the viable copper projects. And the potential scrap response, well, there's still an acute shortage of supply. In reality, aggressive deficits, negative inventory, cannot materialise, and thus we see substitution and ongoing substitution as the only viable means to solve for the gap. On our estimates... There's a need for another 1.5 million tons of copper substitution by 2030, with the most likely areas being low to medium voltage cabling and construction and internal data communication systems. And with aluminium as a natural substitute in electrical transfer, we expect carbon prices will actually matter a lot more to the copper market than may have been initially thought. Of all the commodities we cover, aluminium has the highest leveraged carbon costs. And with a copper to aluminium ratio of 3.6 to 1 potentially that needed to drive enough through-cycle substitution, higher aluminium costs through higher carbon costs may translate directly into higher copper prices. If I was a copper producer, the one thing I want is the highest carbon tax I could get. Meanwhile, if we were to factor in estimates for a net zero scenario, well, it would require even more aggressive assumptions in terms of substitution. Um might potentially need just 3.2 million tonnes of additional substitution by 2030, only to match renewables growth. And certainly, the long-term copper backdrop is an extremely positive one. Thank you once more for listening. Indeed, such has been the success of Metal Matters that we now have our own dedicated podcast stream. Those of you listening via BMO's tune, well, you can access this podcast going forward by searching BMO Equity Research Metal Matters and subscribing. And tell your friends. I mean, after all, who does not want to hear about the goings on in the global metals and mining industry? If you have any questions, just get in touch directly. And please join me again to discuss more pertinent issues next time round. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research, in tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at Colin hamilton at bmo.com To access our full disclosures please visit researchglobal0 forward slash public hyphen disclosure